It is 9.34. Joining me now, my good friend, Ms. Barb Lampson. Hello, Barbara. Hey, Karen. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, you know what? My garden, my my shade garden looks like a ghost town because last night I went out and I took little little cleaning towels, you know, those old towels mm-hmm. and, and rags, and I covered my hosses. Now, I know they'll be okay because they'll come back, but... Some of them are are special, so I wanted to cover them so that the the freezing won't uh, freeze the leaves. But they'll they'll be okay. But some of our plants won't. So I I wanted to talk about that because my sister invited me to join a group online. It was a Facebook group of of um, well gardeners, but not regular, just people you know that that don't necessarily garden a lot. And there's so many myths out there. And I thought, well, a lot of it revolved around people not knowing what to cover up. or And, of sure. course, a lot of people already putting their tomatoes and things out. Oh, what should I do now? So let's yeah. talk a little bit about, because it's going to freeze if it hasn't already in your backyard. Well, you know, and then there's the wind, too. Yes. So um, I, had, I did not put out any annuals yet. And I think, you know, towards the end of May, that's a good time to do it. The soil temperature is still 55. And if you have heavy soil... It's cold and wet, and that's not a good thing for plants that like it warm. But last night, as soon as we got done with supper, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to go out and cover some of those things that I just have waited too long to see them bloom, (laughs) and I don't want them. Yeah, I don't want to lose the blooms. I may not lose the plant, but I don't want to lose the blooms. So this year, uh, my primrose, the hardy primrose, uh, this plant, I've been waiting for it to do something. This would be the third summer, and it is phenomenal. Oh, it's is this the yellow one that was just beautiful? Yeah, it was beautiful. But you didn't want to lose those blooms from frost, though. No, and and you know what I had? I had a uh, a basket, uh, and I used that. It just it just circled around that primrose just perfect so i put that on there to protect it and then we both have mrs walker stalker primrose from barb maher mm-hmm. which is the red one and um isn't that a cool name walker stalker <laughs> i didn't know that was the name but yeah interesting <laughs> I, I just i just uh, talked to barb yesterday to get that name for you barb so now we know we can tell people hey this is walker stalker okay anyway it's an old variety that you probably won't find in any store. She got it from a friend who had it for 30 or 40 years and uh, didn't know where it came from. But it's great. And it just this week, it just, you know, just sent up these wonderful blooms. So it's as big as the yellow one was when you saw the yellow primrose. And what I covered that with, um, have you seen those... Um, the baskets that you can buy, the hanging baskets, and then you put that coconut liner inside of it. The core, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I had bought a couple of those and then hadn't used them. And you know what? They are perfect for covering those uh, cushion-shaped round plants like that. I just flopped it on top of there. It's lightweight, but it kept it nice and warm. And I had two of those stalker walk, walker stalker. And I covered both of them, and this morning they look just like 
just just fine. They well, were glad to have the little little uh, blanket on them. The other thing I used was a lot of empty pots. You know, I buy plants, and then so I've got some with with trees or perennials, and they're a little bigger, and then some smaller ones. And so I ran around and turned them upside down, so it at least mm-hmm. will keep them a little warm. So there's a in addition to those cloths because I didn't have enough pots for everything. You'll see that there's turnover pots all throughout the yard, including my roses. Now my yeah. roses have leafed out nicely, and those will they'll they'll probably come back, but I didn't want to lose all that, so I took some giant um, empty pots that I had, some big plastic ones, and I put over top of those, so I covered those, and, and I have a, a beautiful tree fern, and I put a nice little, like, a blanket over that, because, you know, like it, they're up, and they may freeze, and, and they may come back, but like you said, I wanted to preserve some of those blooms and didn't want them to, to lose right. ground. You know, it, it's like these are our friends, and <laughs> if you had a pet, you'd take care of your pet, and so the plant is just like that, too. I mean, it's a living thing, and you want to care for it um, in good times and in bad. So. Well, let's talk about, for people who don't know about what to cover and what not to cover, sure. um, you know, if you did put your tomatoes and things out, shame on you it was way too early <laughs> and you know Harvey I, I asked him if I could pick them up this week and he says no I'm not going to give them you to you until the last week in May because I know <laughs> yes. I know you and so that's good but if you did put them out I mean for heaven's sake you have to cover things like those warm uh, right. plants or if you put any annuals out and I did have some pots of some annuals and I just put all the pots together and put a big nice blanket over they'll be they'll be fine you know something else that works really well for covering things? If you've got something that's bigger, my wonderful neighbor, Mrs. J, she had her five-gallon plastic buckets out, and she turned them oh, over. I use and, those too, yep. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great thing, and you can stack them up. The main thing is that you have things handy that you can cover with. So if it's something cloth or if it's something that you can stack, that's great. Oh, and I also used... Um, I have those um, grow bags that are made out of like a felt-like a substance. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's a good thing too, because if you have something that's sprawling out to the side, you can kind of gather it up in one hand and then slip this over there, and and with those soft sides on it, you won't injure any leaves or anything like that. So first, you know, when you're going to do this, do no harm. Use something that's appropriate in size, and if a critter comes in and knocks it over, it's not going to damage the plant. Because, you know, we have raccoons in our yard, <laughs> and those raccoon raccoons, they are prowling around every single night. They dig grubs in the grass and that, so you don't know what's going to be walking around in there after you cover things. And you don't want to be covering with plastic bags or anything because uh, they aren't going to get no. the warmth that, no, that they need. No. So e- Even the plastic sheets. Now, um, I've seen this done where some of the nurseries will cover their uh, tender plants with a plastic sheet. I wouldn't recommend for individuals to do that. And maybe the plastic that they have are more like tarps. And, and they're heavier, and, and they're going to do a good job for you. But, uh, yeah, don't, don't use plastic for that. Oh, Karen, can I just w- mention one more thing when it comes to plastic? You know, we drink a lot of milk in our family, and we get a lot of milk jugs. And I was surprised. I bought a plant from, uh, from Bailey Nursery, and just, you know, beautiful instructions. The, the picture is colored. It gives you all the things you want to know. And then in the corner it says, this, um, this uh, marker, this, uh, the, this uh, thing that's on your plant, 
this has been made out of recycled milk bottles, milk jugs. So what a good idea that this tag was is completely made from recycled uh, milk bottles, milk cartons. Mm, okay. So yeah. So so bear that in mind, and and I hope that other people will start doing that. You know, we've talked for a long time about uh, when we get plastic, when we buy our annuals and perennials. What do you do with them when there's no market for them anymore? So it's good to see that Bailey is at least. Uh, for their tags, they're 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 using something that's made out of recycled uh, milk jugs. Right, and you know, if if you don't have to use plastic, don't <laughs> use it in the first place. But at least, yeah, they're trying to do something with with what yeah. what they've got. So good for that's them. True. Hey, Barb, I did a uh, webinar last night from the leg. Um, let's see, the legume lawns to legumes program. Okay. It was okay. a it was a two and a half hour seminar online with some experts talking about how to convert your lawns into legumes, meaning things like the clovers, and they sure. also talked about putting in pollinator gardens and and putting in plants for helping our water, um, like so things just don't go down drains and rush into lakes and pollute them. It uh-huh. was very very interesting because I got this. Uh, I think I, I mentioned I had gotten a grant, a $350 grant from this land or lawn to legumes program. And do you know that they had over 12,000 applications and they awarded about 1,000? Wow. I, I am so happy to hear that people are interested yes. and want to do that. And by the way, last week up at the community gardens, I planted, uh, or I should say David planted, our crimson clover, which we're using as a cover crop, and we're also using it to um, to uh, improve the soil because not only the roots growing into the soil, which break up the soil, but also it fixes the nitrogen. So we'll see how, how well that goes. So that went in last week. And uh, let's see, I planted my peas last week, and uh, I, I I just love peas. I've... I don't have enough space to plant rows and rows of them, but what I do do is I put up the trellis, and then I plant peas on both sides of the trellis. So this is that that metal cattle fencing type thing, Mm -hmm. and they vine up on there, so I plant one side, and then I plant the other side at the same time. They do very, very well. They um, they're tall and they get lots of uh, light that way because they're going up there. And also, I soak the peas in water for at least an hour before I plant them. This helps soften that shell and helps them to germinate rather quickly. I actually soak mine sometimes overnight. I'll just put them overnight and then the next day put them in. And yeah, they do. They are they do uh, germinate more quickly um, I've had mine and I planted mine in the snow when it was in March in under little clochets which are little like in my case milk cartons that had covers on so they'd stay warmer and so mine are my peas are up about six inches however some of them have been disappearing do you know why oh yes I'm sure it's either um, is it the birds that are eating the vine? I think it's the squirrels you think uh, it's the squirrel? Yeah, because I saw a squirrel heading toward it, and and I I, w- I was trying to figure it out, and I looked, and so they they just dig, they just like pull them out of the ground, so the top part's there, and I don't know if they eat the pea part 
or what, but it sure made me mad because I have all this growth and now there's this the green stuff that's on top dead and it just made me mad. So now I'm going to have to, even though I have kept most of the deer away and I don't want to put malorganite on my garden because malorganite is the type of fertilizer that's organic made of the, you know, sewage. Um, I don't want to put that on my, my edible no. crops. So now I had to put, start to put fences around everything again to keep the squirrels out if it's one thing it's it's another barb <laughs> yeah i know and mrs mrs j they always raise peas she just loves peas but their problem are um it's the sparrows they get in there as soon as the peas start start growing they they cut them off right from the yes peas. Keep eating them off and eating them off. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of sparrows around, and they're the ones that are guilty of doing that. Uh, so maybe it's not the squirrels. Well, know? it could be, because I, I I looked it up, and, and it said squirrels like to sometimes just do that and pull them out. And, uh, sure, But sure. it could be spare. You know, there's so many things it could be, Barb, but at least sure. I th- I'm pretty sure it's not the deer this time. But, yeah. It's... You know, I found um, a variety of pea that I thought... Anybody trying to raise peas in a container, like a big pot, mm-hmm. or in a raised garden, they might want to try Little Marvel. I raised that last year, and it's a shorter vine. The whole thing is just kind of in miniature, and the pea pods have about four peas in them, but they're absolutely prolific, and you can control you know, where they're going to go, the size of the support that you need to have up for them. It's it's really a good deal. So if you're thinking you always wanted to have peas, but you don't have a place to grow them, you could get this variety, Little Marble. It's about uh, 65 to 70 days uh, it takes for them to mature, and you can start harvesting them. So you could do that any time now. And then with the regular peas that go into my uh, garden up at Good Council, I have put in early perfection this year, and uh, with those, it's a good idea if you have, instead of putting in one of the whole package at one time, to divide it up and put in half the package one week and then maybe a, wait a week or 10 days and put the rest in. That way you've got peas coming in over a longer period of time. Yeah, because sometimes you can't use them all at once. Yes, only you can always take them around to the neighbors, but then they're just gone. <laughs> or maybe what you want is that that's what you want because you want to use that space for something else. But it is a thought to, to stagger them out like that. So uh, the other thing I was going to just mention a little bit about a community garden. You know, when you're sharing a space with other people, what you do uh, can affect other people's gardens. And we're... You know, we garden fairly close together. We just have paths, just Mm -hmm. small, short, narrow paths between the spaces. And we put down cardboard, and then we cover the cardboard with uh, uh, a a mulch. And so the idea is that people can walk through, they can look at your garden and that, and they'll stay on these pathways. But what happens is if someone on the other side of you or if you if you have quack grass in your garden, it'll go right into that path and it'll cross over into your neighbors. So up there we have a rule that you have to maintain your paths, so you have to dig out the quack. And every time I've been at our garden, I've been digging quack. And it wouldn't be bad if you just had to go to the middle of the path, but if you have to go clear to the neighbor's side mm-hmm. uh, because the quack is coming over there, 
that's really not in the spirit of community gardening. You know, if you drive down the highway, you don't throw things out the window of your car and expect someone to pick up your litter. Well, some people do, actually, because Jeff and the boys did a highway cleanup yesterday with with the church group, (laughs) and you wouldn't believe... The, the stuff that people throw in it. You notice it was when you go on the on-ramps, because they did around the ramps up on the Highway 14 near Old Lookout and Lee Boulevard, he says the on-ramps aren't too bad, but it must be people, if they get their fast food or was a whatever, when you go on the off-ramps back onto 14, he says they were terrible. It's like people just really? must get done and just throw their junk. So not everybody agrees yeah. with, yeah, sadly, people do throw there stuff. There is there is that mentality that someone yeah. else is going to clean it up for you. Sadly. And you know what's really bad is, like, the plastic that doesn't oh. break down yeah. in the environment, the birds that are harmed by it. So many things are harmed by this plastic. And so, and the same is true with the quack. If somebody doesn't maintain their garden site, it crosses the path, it goes into somebody else's garden, it can be a real... Uh, hassle for that person, especially if they've spent a lot of time trying to keep quack out of their garden and they maybe don't have the health to continue to maintain both the quack from their garden and from your garden. So so think about that before you want to go um, get a spot in a community garden. There really are uh, rules and there really are ethics involved here. You know, take care of and think of the other person, too. And when you mentioned quack, quack is not the kind of thing you can just pull out from the top and be done. Nope. You've got to, I take my hoary hoary knife and I have to dig down and it, it goes by those runners underground. So you, you pull up a clump and it's likely connected to another. So then you've got to kind of follow that along and get the right. next clump. Otherwise, if you pull it, you're just going to get that many more that come up from those parts you missed. Yeah, that's right. And so I found, too, with that hoary hoary knife, you can kind of gently work under that yes. so that you don't break the root off and find its, its end source. It, if it's on a pathway like that, sometimes it's easy because it's, it's involved with the um, mulch, you know, it's up there, mm-hmm. so it's away. but sometimes it's under everything. Quack can go, I mean, it can travel a long distance underneath just a combination. We've got thick cardboard, we've got... Uh, these wood chips on there, it it can it can go underground. I mean, it's not like you think. Well, don't you need photosynthesis to generate food? But no, it's like an underground miner. It's traveling <laughs> underground. <clears throat> so just give that give that a few thoughts. But other than that, this was a fantastic uh, week for being outside and being gardening. And one of the things that. Uh, started blooming in my yard this week was um, the iris, and there's a taller one. It's not quite an intermediate, but if you think of a miniature, it's one of the taller miniatures. It's in that upper range of that, and it's a a lavender color. I was so surprised. I thought, this is kind of early for this, so so this is really great. Is it a bearded iris, though? No. It's not a bearded. It's it's not... it's it's simply it's in that miniature category oh, again. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and here's something very unusual in my yard. Up front, where the deer ate all my tulips and many other things before I got my fence up, <clears throat> I have a genuine miniature tulip that is probably um, an inch and a half tall that's blooming. And it has a miniature bloom on it. 
cute. So, <laughs> did that come from someplace else? Is that a result of? I don't know. It's. I'm going to try and get a picture of that, and we'll have to ask Shane about that because it seems to be if it's going to be a a miniature, it has to have the genetics for that. Right. Uh, you know. So I don't know. That was that was really really a nice surprise to see, and um, the other things that are blooming, the celadine poppies are blooming, which is just a real um, hardy poppy that comes. It it blooms now and it'll bloom again. And they're later. yellow. They're bright, bright, very yeah. cheery yellow, almost like the color of daffodils. Yes. Yes, and they support the daffodils and the spring flowers really, really well. I mean, they're just, uh, just, just a really nice thing. And then, of course, the uh, Virginia bluebells are just blooming like crazy, and they start out, they're sort of pinkish, and then they get blue, and they really gorgeous, sharp-looking blue. And again, with that yellow, that's really a nice combination. And then, of course, you know, our native ginger. I am so fond of that simply because it grows almost any place and it's it's so hardy if you neglect it it doesn't get watered it grows if it doesn't get sunlight it grows and then we get these marvelous uh little blooms on it that are hidden underneath these harp shaped leaves but they're not your typical blooms i mean you don't look at and say oh that's a flower they're almost like these weird little bells that have this kind of a dark inner inside but they're kind of just unique and and now the thing is you mentioned they're great they're easy to grow but if they're in the wrong place you would consider them a nuisance kind of like lily of the valley which i love but people complain like it gets out of place well anything that might be more aggressive it's not invasive necessarily but aggressive will be um maybe get out of its borders so to speak so like when i was at your place last weekend we socially distanced in your garden but you gave me a lot of that ginger the wild ginger Mm -hmm. because i am putting that on the 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 lake hillside where nothing else seems to want to you know take hold and i put a bunch in last year that i got uh, from my own garden and i think i got a bunch from you and it has come back beautifully so that's what i'm going to do and it makes just this nice almost a carpet once it starts to take hold so in a place like that where i want it to kind of take over it's good but if you had a place you thought you wanted to keep it in a nice little area um you got to make sure that it's going to do that kind of like lily of the valley they're beautiful but once they get going they might take off yeah and but the thing about that is it's not difficult to get rid of it it's not like well ginger's uh, not but lily of the valley is <laughs> yeah oh lily of the valley is very much and yes it can appear a long distance from where it started oh too. yeah so i don't know how that exactly happens but that's you know that's that's nature um the, one of the things that i found that did not make it in my garden this year was one of the coral bells oh it's called evening spice and i have tried to uh raise this uh, coral bell that has the um caramel colored leaves on it uh you know just kind of caramely orangey colored leaf and i've used two different varieties and they haven't survived they will survive maybe uh one or two winters and then they just die so I have 
read everything there is about them, and it says, you know, that they have to be well watered, but they shouldn't be in water when they go into the fall, and they should be covered well, and you should heal the soil up around the, the neck of the plant. I've done all of that, and still... Uh, this plant is gone. Now, have, I have some coral bells like that, too, that I just, I'm not a big fan. I love them. I think they're beautiful, but I've had where they heave because the, the ground heaves them up, and then sometimes they don't really come back very well. So to me, if a plant needs too much babying, which this one sounds like, sometimes just just let it go. Yeah, so that was that was the last chance of that. Okay, it's done. <laughs> yeah. So now, you know, the balloon flower, that is uh, <clears throat> a plant that when it gets its flower on it, um, they're, they're like little balloons. Mm-hmm. They're closed up. And when I first started raising them, I always thought I was losing the plant, but then did some reading and found out they're one of the last plants to break dormancy and come up. They just, they're just waiting for the perfect time to come up. So uh, I have two different ones. I have a purple and I have a pink. And they're not up. There's no sign of them coming up. But the plants, the purple one is very old, so I know that'll happen. But the thing to remind yourself is don't go walking around in there and don't go digging around in there. Not yet. Especially, you know, the hardy hibiscus aren't up yet either, Barb. And that's yeah. another one that you say, oh, I must have lost it. But, you know, I'm going on five years with that one, and I just know that it's the very, very last thing that's going to be up, and I just have to have patience. So sometimes, like you said, don't go digging. You might actually kill it yourself. Right. And and if you're using, if instead of weeding and getting up and close personal with plants, if you're using a hoe, you want to be careful that you don't whack off the growing points of something that's just starting to make it through the soil right. because that can happen too and then that will set things back the the hibiscus the one i have on the um, east side of my house close to the foundation i've had there at least 25 or 30 years and i just keep thinking is this the year it's not going to come <laughs> is this the year it's not going to come but i do water it extra Mm-hmm. And uh, and eventually it comes up, it does its thing, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. Now the one out in the on the south side, out in the front bed, um, I lost the um, what was it struck? What was the one that we had that we love so much? Cherry cheesecake. Cherry cheesecake. I lost that one. That's, I've got two of those. The most beautiful plant. Three of them. They're the most beautiful plants I've seen. But I'm sorry that you lost yours. Yes, and I don't know how that happened, but it did because it certainly was cared and loved. But So then I bought another one, which has the coppery foliage on it, mm-hmm. and the bloom on it is quite a bit similar to cherry cheesecake. It just has... Is it called Choco Cherry, I think, because I bought one of those yes, uh, last year, too. Yeah, yep. yeah, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's it has a big bloom, yes. like the cherry cheesecake one did. It's not as, um, the color is different. It's, it's not as vibrant as, as that one. But I'll tell you what, the Japanese beetles <laughs> love it. They love they love hibiscus. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I'm doing this year is trying to plant fewer things that the Japanese beetle like. You know, I yeah. used to do those pole beans, Barb, and yeah. they absolutely decimated them. So I'm going to do the lower beans, the you know, the, the, the ones you grow, uh, bush beans, and then I can at least cover them and have a chance, I think a better chance. Yeah, that that's a good idea. You know, I am not planting any annual seeds out in the garden yet, at home here, the flower garden. Um, 
I'm going to start a few uh, zinnias and things in my greenhouse and then set them out when the soil is warmer. I just I just think that that's a, a better way to go for myself than direct seeding them out there um, and then having to cover them and then um, you know it's just it, it's just better if I'm watching over them and talking to them and babying them every day in my greenhouse and then putting them out when they have nice little root balls. I did buy some annuals and gee um, they they look really great. I bought some impatience that are just absolutely wonderful um they weren't root bound they're just so when it warms up i'm going to get them outside and um you know i'm kind of just uh improving the soil i'm putting in more of the compost from my uh, compost pile and um i'm just you know doing things that i have to do and what do you think a gardener would just absolutely love as a gift for mother's day a gift card to a garden center. <laughs> well, it would be that or something that they couldn't get locally. My daughter sent 10 pounds of wheat, of, of worm castings. <laughs> worm poop, yay! Yeah, yeah. Happy right. Mother's Day to you. <laughs> yes, and, and the uh, mailman delivered, and he said, this is kind of heavy, and I thought... Really? <laughs> Not for a gardener. We lug 40 pounds around and we don't mind it. Yeah. But um, it's all organic. It comes from nice. someplace. It's, so as I um, start moving things around, I'm going to improve the soil by filling in with some of this. Good you don't idea. need a lot, but um, it's, it's a good deal, too. So, so we'll see how that goes. But well, I, Barb, happy Mother's Day to you. We are out of time, but I hope you have a great time with your, your Mother's Day gift of worm castings <laughs> in the garden, and you'll think of your daughter while you I do will. it. And happy Mother's Day to you and to all our listeners, too, and and to all those women who have been such great role models for us. Happy Mother's Day to them, all of them. Thank you, Barb. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, her, her her daughter, awesome, gave her a, a whole bag of worm poop. That's, that's a good Mother's Day for a, a present for a gardener. It's four minutes past ten, and you're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at